What up, guys? Welcome back to Where's the Remote? We're here for episode four. We got Alex here again, but we have our very first guest ever on the show. It's my day one, the myth, the man, the legend. I That's not that the saying. The, <laughs> man, the myth, the legend, Elon Rubin. Elon, what's up? I'm good. What's up? Yeah, you kind of kind of fucked that a little bit, but it's okay. Uh, oh, I, um, I definitely fucked you definitely it up. did, but I'm excited to be here, and let's let's get into it. Let's do this. Let's let's do it. Um, I'm gonna apologize in advance. My voice might be a little hoarse as I was screaming my balls off at Billy Joel last night. Um, that was just fucking sick. We went for my dad's birthday, and uh, it was crazy. Yo, Elon, I mean, you've been to Camden Yards, right? I have, yes. Where the Orioles play. So when I went yesterday, obviously a lot of people wearing Orioles gear. But the thing I saw the most, which was really fucking weird, I thought, was that everybody was wearing an Old Bay t-shirt. Really? Like, how <laughs> you know Old Bay? Is that like the crab thing? Yeah, yeah. it's like the crab spice. You guys And like everybody me. had like these different, like, different styled t-shirts. Like one dude had a t-shirt with like a dog with like Old Bay in his mouth. Yeah. I was like, I was like, dude, Old fire, Bay, yeah, like, Old Bay is fucking huge in in like Baltimore and a little bit in College Park, but man, I just didn't think people were gonna rep it that hard. Yeah, that was dude, just weird. Dude, they rep it everywhere. I don't think I've ever had it. Old it's Bay? good. You should try it. Old Bay, dude, Old Bay's fire. It's like powder. Yeah, it's like a yeah, it's like a spice, but it's like a powder. It's like kind of like Cajun seasoning, but it's not. It's Old huh, Bay. Okay, okay. You know what I mean? But it's mad good on fries, chicken, anything. Yeah. Crab. Shout out Old Bay, honestly. Yeah, shout out Old Bay. Come sponsor us. Send us free spice. Um, but anyways, yeah, <laughs> Billy Joel fucking rocked out yesterday, obviously, as he does. This was the first concert ever at Camden Yards. Um, so, obviously, it was a madhouse. Yo, they didn't know what they were doing because, they, like I said, they'd never done a concert before. And they, like, they it was just crazy backed up, like, getting down onto the field. Like, to, to, for the people who were sitting on the field, like, it took, I, le- I went down to the field and I brought a beer with me to my seats. And then I had to pee before the show started. And I left to go to the bathroom. It literally took me 40 minutes to get back to my seat. 40 minutes. <laughs> Did you miss any of the show? I missed none of the show. Thank That's God. Good. Of course, dude. I wasn't fucking. I would have started trampling people if I had to. Billy. Um, there were a lot of rowdy people there. I'll tell you that. Um, there's so many moms, dude. So many moms. Billy Joel's for everyone. He is for everyone. Definitely a family show. But that's why this was crazy. When he started playing New York State of Mind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout out New York. This dude behind us in the row behind us was just like screaming slurs. Like he was just cursing and like like kind of booing and shit. And I'm just look. Our whole family's looking at each other like, who the fuck is this dude? And like he's there with like his wife and shit. And like my dad turns around, looks at him, goes, all of New York hates you. Yes, Stuart! Dude, the fucking and that, goat. <laughs> and that dude was so embarrassed, he left. No joke. He left. Really? Holy he left shit. halfway through the show. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I was like, fuck yeah, let's go, Dad. See, I was gonna I was gonna go on a little spiel how if that dude has beef with New York, come to New York and, and watch what happens. But Stu did the job for us. Shout God out to right. Stu. Goddamn right. I think I saw my dad smile more yesterday than I ever have That's before. Awesome. That's sick. Because I've like I've never been to like a concert with my family before. I thought you were going to say you like, never made him proud. I'm kidding. <laughs> really I'm kidding. nice. <laughs> you want to talk about that now? I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, 
I think this was like my first concert, like with the exception of festivals, like my first like headlining concert that wasn't like rap, a rap show. Um, so was that, that was just a cool experience. Was that like the first time your parents saw him too, or? No, my dad actually saw him at MSG like a thousand years ago. No, actually, a thousand years. That's how old Billy Joel is. And that's how old my dad is. <laughs> Dude, Billy Joel is 70 years old, and he is a four-year-old kid. Really? That's wild. My man's still, yeah. my man's still dropping the hammer. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, I was like, shout out to him, man, if he's happy with that. Um, Fun fact, happy for him. my mom, uh, way back in the day, this was probably like, 90s early 2000s uh she was at like a bar in the city she went outside to uh smoke a cigarette uh and and someone asked her for a cigarette and she turns to the right and it's billy joel and uh they it's just smoked a cigarette together and like hung out yeah the fucking piano man yeah, it's That's so crazy. crazy i'd freak out yeah i would freak the perks of smoking cigarettes i guess facts no <laughs> cigarettes are gross but man are they like social items like yeah don't don't smoke six kids i can't endorse it i'm not endorsing it um alex how was your friday it's pretty good i went to uh i went to dave and buster's for the first time in maybe 10 years and let me tell you this is a four-year-old let me uh one dave and buster's is fire you can drink there you can eat there you can play video games yo the games that they have there now unbelievable like, if my eight-year-old self pulled up, they had, like, beer pong. They had VR. They had, like, the world's biggest uh, space invaders. It was uh, – we played a four-player, like, Halo, like, first-person shooter. It was crazy. It was, like, on a big spaceship. It was – Dave and Buster's would highly urge you. It was, like, 35 bucks, and we ended up, like, staying for two and a half hours. That's cool. It's a fun time. I'd say you get, you like, a bang for your buck. Um, and, yeah, you can just win overpriced prizes. And, and just can I, makes, what's that? Can I ask you a question? Yeah. How many tickets did you win? I think I ended up with like sixteen hundred. So I got a, I got like a week. Yeah, I got like a tiny little. I had the lowest in the group because uh, I was playing more of the video games. That's that's more my forte. Um, but I got a little uh, like Squirtle stuffed animal. That's right. Uh, and he, he is going to be prominently placed on my bed. I haven't been to David Buster in, nice. in so long that, like, I just don't know what's there. But Yo, we can go. Down. Down. They have one. They just they just opened that one up at Rio. Oh, yeah? Speaking of Rio, up until very recently, from what I understand, their IMAX, like, that's where our local AMC is. So for, our, for their IMAX, it was, like, fake IMAX for, like, the longest time. You know what I mean? Like, it was digital instead of, like, the lasers. Yeah. But now they just announced that it's lasers. Now, so I guess we have a real IMAX, which that's is fire. Right. Shout so out. I guess next time something that's better than the Lion King is playing there, <laughs> like Hobbs and Shaw. Best believe, Elon, we're pulling up an IMAX. Dude. Oh <laughs> my god, dude! I, I don't know how. I sick. honestly don't know how to feel about that whole thing. You know, you know about the whole like, um, Tyrese was just like mad at The Rock for like staying with it, especially after like Paul Walker died. Well, there's mad beef on yeah. the set, apparently. Yeah, there, I knew that, man. though. I knew, like, the Vin Diesel rock beef. That's why they got, like, John Cena now, which is <laughs> so funny to me. Dude, John Cena? I thought John well, Cena. John he's Cena he's going to be in the new one. What'd you say, Elon? Uh, so I was just going to say, like, John Cena, just, you just see him in everything now. Like, he he's, so he's yeah. going for those paychecks, man, let me tell you. Yeah. Vince McMahon I mean, wasn't paying him enough. You got to respect it. Dude, you got to respect, respect it. He's out here hustling, yeah. yeah. Um, 
But yeah, Elon, what was your Friday looking like? Slow? Fast? Um, what were you doing? Well, work was all right. Um, this week's been pretty slow at work, but uh, I uh, almost burned my foot yesterday, which was pretty bad. And uh, Tell us about it. So, I, you know, for those of you who don't know, which would be all of you, um, I work at a <laughs> physical therapy office, and that's kind of what I want to do. So one of my jobs on Fridays is to clean out this thing called a hydrocolator. Basically, it just heats up hot packs, which is, you know, it's whatever. It's pretty standard. Sounds intense. No, I mean, it's fine. But uh, I have to, every Friday, I have to clean out the water. And it's, like, piping hot. And so I have to pour it out. And I did it pretty poorly on this Friday. And I almost burned my foot off. And it sucked. But I said to myself, you know what? Nice. It's Friday. I'm going to get out of here and just chill for the weekend. And then we'll be rolling. So... Dude, upside, if you had fucked your foot up, you, like, are in the right place. Yeah. You know what I mean? You just turn around, walk back in. You're just like, all right. Very hey, guys. Yeah. I'm back. Um, but yeah. All right. Good to hear. Good to hear that you didn't fuck yeah. your foot up. Um, let's talk about the big thing we all did on Thursday. It was the new Quentin Tarantino movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Long anticipated. Um, I know especially by the people here. Um... We're going to talk a lot about that today. That's going to be like our main topic. And uh, we're going to talk about our experiences, what we thought, and then get into, you know, like looking back at it, sort of reviewing it. Um, but I, we are going to talk some spoilers, um, but we'll do our best to let you know, you know, okay, this is about to be a spoiler. Like, watch out. You know what I mean? So I guess just look out for that. Um, but yeah, Alex, general thoughts on the movie. So I am. Um, hang on. I said general. I don't want to hear you going on a Lion King level rant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am a Tarantino fanboy. Pulp Fiction is my number one movie. Um, so I went into this with a lot of hype. I think Tarantino is just the goat, um, like the end all be all. Uh, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood had like a lot of pressure like it had it had a a bar to reach um and it definitely hit it on like literally every single level and it it in a way that is both the most tarantino but also like the least tarantino way imaginable and we'll get into that a little bit later but um this was so similar to his like previous work but so different at the same time and it just was an absolute masterpiece like People who are saying this is as good, if not better, than Pulp Fiction, I need some time to mull it over, but I could like totally see that argument being made and me being swayed one way or the other. Wow. Okay. All right, Elon, thoughts on the movie? Um, I liked it a lot. Um, I wouldn't go that far and say that it's it's you know better than Pulp Fiction or some of his better movies, but I will say that I really enjoyed it and. I would say, like, obviously I don't want to get into too much detail, but, you know, the first half, like, it goes by and you're 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 enjoying it, but, you know, not too much is going on, and then, man, like, it, it, the last half, and then, you know, those last, like, half hour or so, like, man, it, it really, like, shit hits the fan, let me tell you. So, in classic Quentin Tarantino oh, yeah. fashion. Um, you know? But all in all... Saving all in all, I, I enjoyed it a lot, and it definitely lived up to the hype. Yes, I agree. Um, I was a big fan. Um, 
But the crazy thing is that I don't think a lot of people will be. Um, when I saw this movie, I know for a fact a couple of people walked out of the movie halfway through. Really? Just left. Yeah, they just left. And uh, when it ended, <clears throat> I stayed for the whole credits and I uh, saw that after credit scene. Elon, did you see yeah. the after credit scene? Or like mid credit scene? Okay. Yeah, it was great. Um, and the woman next to me was looked at me and she was like, did you like it? And I was like, you didn't? Like, she did not like it. She was like, no, I thought it wasn't good. And I was like, wow. First of all, imagine if you had just spent three hours of your day watching a movie you didn't like. <laughs> you know, like, that's that's rough. But uh, imagine also not being able to appreciate the greatness of Quentin Tarantino in this movie. That's a little bit rougher, I think. Um, I think there's valid reason, though. <clears throat> for I'll... sure. I mean, there, with anything, there's a valid reason for some people yeah. not to like it. But I think that you know, similar like to what you said, it's like very much Tarantino in some ways and like not at all in other ways. And so a lot of people went in expecting something very different. Um, and I think that some of those people will definitely be disappointed. But I think that people who went in with an open mind will be just like good, you know, Elon. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what I've seen. Uh, but it's weird because I, I honestly am a little bit surprised of how like tame some of the criticisms are so on letterbox i've like just read a lot of reviews and i was kind of expecting a lot of them to be pretty pretty negative in terms of like the just going on rants i guess about if they didn't like it like how bad it was but i saw a lot of fair criticisms that i could appreciate and to a certain point like i kind of agreed with uh i guess there's one in particular this isn't really a spoiler but if you don't want to be swayed by anything you know you just tune out for a little bit but some of the criticisms about how it really does slow down in like the second act and i guess they really do tie it in uh but for the most part i was like yeah i mean i wasn't really as tuned in as i could have been but then it does pick up so they have been a little more tame like the negative reviews of it so i was a little surprised to see that so i think yeah so i think that you know to that point you know if if a movie is slow you know a lot of times people will say all right that's not good we don't like that but i think that with someone like quentin tarantino where everything is just so like like nice to look at you know what i mean like it's just so well made um the set pieces are awesome like the 1960s hollywood looks great the soundtrack is fantastic the cinematography is top notch it doesn't i don't care about how slow the movie is as long as there's dialogue or like something like literally as long as i'm not staring at a blank wall i'm cool with it and it's like kind of like with jackie brown where people are like a lot not a lot happened but like if you look at it it's like okay it's filled with just like great dialogue and you know scenes where there's just the great soundtrack playing like i'm i'm all here for that you know what I mean? Because it helps build, you know, just like the world around them. You know what I mean? I mean, this is really a movie about our characters' lives in like just in this time period almost. And that's the cool thing about this movie is that the the main characters like Rick and Cliff are just sort of placed into this like into this 1960s Hollywood and things happen around them for the most part of the movie. And I'm going to get back into that a little bit later. But, uh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's interesting. Like, I, I agree. Like, 
if a if a movie's good, it doesn't matter how long it is. Like, if it's entertaining and the and it's just like a fantastic movie, those the like a three hour runtime won't matter. Um, if it's bad, obviously it's like this is a chore to get through. But in the instance of this, I never found it to be like I was completely like engrossed in it. Um, and it's super interesting, like when you think about world building, like you think about Peter Jackson, like taking three movies to build the world of middle earth. Um, and, and like, that's, that's different obviously because it's like this fantasy realm where like people aren't familiar with it, but, um, like the world build, it's weird to say like the world building in once upon a time in Hollywood, because obviously it's, it's real. It's like Hollywood in 69. Um, but it's so incredible. Like you said, like the production design, like, when they're driving down Sunset Boulevard and all the neon signs are lighting up, like I've never, I've never been to LA. Um, and I've never like seen that. So like, that was just such an incredible moment of like, yo, they really built a whole block. Um, and it's just these like two incredible characters driving down it. And like, I loved the moments where, where it shows just like Brad Pitt driving, um, and like seeing all these like tiny little things, just like, it's so, this, this movie's so nuanced. And it, it shows like Tarantino's appreciation overall, not just for cinema, but like the town essentially and like the people in it. Yeah, I think that like going back to what you said, like people take it for granted, like how many movies, you know, take place, like period pieces kind of, you know what I mean? Like that take place in like different times, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they're like, oh, you know, that's just classic movies. But no, it's extremely difficult to effectively create a world kind of like you said to build a world from a time like that where everything's so different so for tarantino to go out and build this 1960s hollywood is just so incredible because he can create this world that really feels like we're there you know what i mean down to every little detail that's just so impressive and you know a lot of people are comparing this to roma alfonso cuaron who did a lot of it based off of memory right mm-hmm. he took us back to mexico city um and tarantino for him this was like okay like I'm going to paint you guys this world from my life and I'm going to bring you all into it and tell you a great story while doing it. So I thought that was really, really impressive. I will say that, uh, um, yeah, like yeah. If, if nothing else, it's just a beautiful movie. Like all the scenes are just, they're just so detailed and the driving scenes are great too, as well as you said, Alex, like it's just such a beautiful movie. So even if, you know, there are some times where it might be a little bit slow, but I could still sit back and just appreciate, you know, how beautiful 1969 Hollywood is for sure. For sure. And I think that people complain, like a lot of people complain that Jackie Brown has too much time with people just driving with like the soundtrack playing. And it's just an excuse for Tarantino to throw in his favorite songs. I'm like, look, I love this music that he chose for the movie. The soundtrack for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is awesome. It's It's also, I would consider it like, like Baby Driver is a great example of like where the soundtrack is like an integral part of the movie. And obviously Baby Driver takes it one step further. But like I would consider like the music in this movie, like a character in and of itself, just like Hollywood is a character, like in the overall scheme of it. Um, Like it's super integral, just like even, even to like uh, thematic like levels of just like tiny little things. Um, And yeah, Yeah, I mean, Who's going to complain about the good music? You know what I mean? Like for sure. And I think that like exactly like you said, like a big part of being in 1960s Hollywood 
is you got to hear what the people were listening to. So having that whole scene in there where Sharon Tate's throwing on that record and like, you know, like that's that awesome. Scene. I want to see what they were listening to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I just think that that really ties it all in together and it makes it feel really complete, um, mm-hmm. which was great. But let's talk about Sharon Tate. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about her character because I think that, and this is a conversation we'll probably get into more spoilers. So if you don't want to hear this, just, I don't even know how far to fast forward, but uh, <laughs> I'm sorry in advance. Um, her character, played by Margot Robbie, um, a lot of people are complaining that her character didn't really have a reason to be in this movie. Um, and that, you know, she's just sort of adjacent to the story the whole time. And you're, it's just like, why, why is she even here? And I think that that's not even close to a valid criticism because anybody who knows the history of, you know, Charles Manson and Hollywood in this time is expecting for the entire length of the movie for her to be murdered at the end, you know, because that's what happens in real life, right? Everyone's expecting, you know, this whole thing building up. I mean, anybody who's done any extensive research on the story knows, like, once they meet the character Tex and, like, the other characters that, oh, my God, these are the guys that murdered Sharon Tate. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And leading all the way up until the end, you know, we're expecting them to go into her house and kill her. But it isn't until the very end that we see Tarantino's revisionist history, you know what I mean, where you know, that obviously doesn't happen. And where they go to to Rick's house instead. And it throws us for a crazy loop. Um, And, you know, we're expecting one murder, but now it's just like, you know, now the person who we expected to die is this super grounded character. Um, And she's kind of like, I saw a lot of people calling her a very angelic character. And it's almost after Rick goes through this craziness that happens at the end, you know, who's there but Sharon Tate and she's like you want to come inside and have a drink and he's just like you know what yeah I do even even and to like the gates opening up and like him like yeah, ascending like yeah, it, yeah I, I I totally agree with that I thought that was really really well done and I think that it's really important to have her character in there like I said because it throws you off because it's it's a part of Hollywood you know what I mean like that's the history that they're living through that he threw these characters into the story um, and I think that if you didn't know that much about Sharon Tate and her story beyond that, just the fact that she gets murdered, you wouldn't have appreciated that as much. But I think that if you look at the whole thing and you look at the whole story and you do a little bit of reading about it, I think it becomes much more and impressive. Like, I guess for most of it, you just kind of see her as like an enigma. She she just kind of exists. And that's kind of, mm-hmm. especially for me, like I didn't do a lot of research beforehand. So I wasn't really aware of the whole situation with like, who actually gets murdered by Charles Manson and his followers. But well, he doesn't even just to, just to like jump in for a minute. Charles Manson didn't murder Sharon Tate. He, from what I understand, he had, okay. So, you know, that part in the, like where they're saying like, he, like he goes to the house, he's looking for somebody who doesn't live there anymore. <clears throat> and he says to them, apparently like, you know how like the guys like Tex and like those three chicks, He's like, yeah, he told us to go here and murder everybody who lives in mm-hmm. so-and-so's old house. Like, that's apparently how it happened. Like, well, he like, told them to go there and murder everybody who lives in that house. The reason there. being, um, like, Charles Manson wanted to be a musician. Um, yeah. And 
he he knew one of the Beach Boys. I don't remember which one, but that member of the Beach Boys introduced him, I believe, to that guy Terry. Um, and Terry was kind of just like it's the music industry in the '60s, so he like he wasn't like he was putting other artists like in precedence, like um, I would say. Um, and from what I'm aware, like yeah, that's why he was like go and and like kill whoever's in that house, um, just because he was so angry that like he was wasn't getting he bad though. Who? Wasn't he like a bad musician, Charles Manson? Um, well, like the, one of the Beach Boys songs, like they kept his like melodies yeah. and shit. Um, and like you can listen to his music, like it's available like on the internet. Um, which it's is weird. so creepy. Cult shit is so creepy. Fact. But like, if yeah. you're ever one, of, if you're one of those people who likes going down the rabbit hole on that stuff, like, oh man, is Charlie Manson a good one to go down? Um, because it's just really creepy, and like the whole trial is really interesting because these guys were like essentially flip flopping back and forth, like with their stories to sort of protect certain people. I mean, they're all dead now, I think. So for the most part, but, um, so it's just interesting to read about shout out Wikipedia. You can get all sorts of crazy information there. Last podcast on the left as well has a treasure trove about Charles Manson. Um, it's like a three. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so yeah. much content out there. You guys can definitely check it out. One thing about Sharon Tate, um, like a lot of people are saying how, like she, like you said, like, She's not really present in the movie. She's kind of just this like floating character. Like she barely has any dialogue, but um, in my opinion, what makes it so like impressive, not impressive. Um, what makes it so like upsetting is the only times you really see her is she's doing just like incredibly innocent, like tasks, like even if they're mundane, like going in with the context of knowing not knowing the ending of the movie, but knowing like what happened in real life, you're like, it's essentially like a train that doesn't, it's brakes aren't working. And you're just waiting like for all of this, like innocence to be stripped away, like tragically. Um, like the scene of her in the movies is, is just so beautiful. Like her watching herself on the big screen. And I love that they didn't like, they kept the original footage um, yeah. of the movie instead of like putting Margot Robbie in it or like reshooting it because um, it really just made way to this more like this is an ode to to Sharon Tate you know yeah, what I mean like cool. like what could have been um, and it's like super I, super well done I feel right and I think that that like you said like that's why it's really important that she's not super involved in this movie in terms of dialogue wise they don't want to build her character too much because it's really important to the film and the story that she's adjacent to the movie that she's not involved with these characters in such a way you know what i mean that like because and that's why people are upset about it because they weren't expecting that people were expecting this movie i think to go a lot more in the direction of okay charles manson and like i think people were expecting like rick dalton and cliff booth to be witnesses essentially like for them to be adjacent to what goes down at yeah. the Sharon Tate murders. Well, the original, when this movie was first announced, like it was just that Quentin Tarantino's next movie is about the Manson murders. Mm-hmm. And like, that right. was it. So people were expecting like three hours of Tarantino, like murdering a pregnant woman. And a lot of people were like, I don't know about this, but then well, I think that he could have made a really cool and interesting movie in the sort of same vein as Inglorious Bastards, um, about Charlie Manson and that whole era, but I I'm really glad he didn't. Like I think this is much better than. And that it's one. even it's so cool that like Manson is literally in one scene. Yeah, 
He, and it's mm-hmm. like 30 seconds. Like he, and that's, that's another thing that I have to say about like Sharon Tate. Like a lot of people are saying that like she didn't get enough screen time. And realistically, like the only people who got time are Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. Like this is their show. Like even Al Pacino is only in mm-hmm. two scenes. For five seconds. Yeah. Like this, like this is, this is not like obviously like Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth are like at the center of this, but like there are so many, as I said, like Hollywood is a character in and of itself. Like there are so many other little stories going on in Hollywood at the time that like not one takes precedence over the other, but like Dalton and Booth are just like the driving force uh, of the movie. I guess one of the things that people would be the most upset about though is like, this movie is kind of built with a giant cast and, you know, they're all celebrated acting actresses. But yeah, a lot of them didn't really get too much screen time. And I think people were, some people may have just felt disappointed because it just may have been advertised to them as a, as a film with just so many great, just so much great talent in it. And a lot of them just don't get that much screen time. But I feel like it's, it worked out all right. Because again, like at his core, like Quentin Tarantino is a storyteller. Like, he's one of the best storytellers of our time. And I think this movie will probably get a lot more appreciation upon many rewatches just because people can sit back and say, you know what? Yeah, like, for the most part, it focused on Leo and Brad Pitt, but just all the other elements of the movie are just incredible. And I feel like people are going to appreciate that a lot more when they just sit down with it later on and are just like, yeah, like, sure, like a lot of great actors who didn't get too much screen time didn't get too many lines but the movie itself and the story itself are just fantastic yeah i think that it's really to your point i think that people when they saw this really huge cast were expecting it to be like pulp fiction because in pulp fiction like there's this huge cast and they all get a decent amount of screen time for the most part um but i think that you know, it, it really is just, like, the power of Tarantino. I mean, like, he doesn't need all these people to... He doesn't need all these big names in his movie for people to go see it. But I think that he just has at his disposal this, like, huge, like, repertoire of actors who are not only willing, but, like, excited and want to work for him. And, you know, you know Al Pacino, if you can get Al Pacino, even for a small role, you're going to do it. You know, because it's fucking Al Pacino. You know what I mean? Um, But I think that also to your point, I think that um, this movie will definitely grow on me upon rewatch. I'm actually going again tonight. Um, So I think that I'm just going to enjoy the hell out of it for the second time in a row, especially now. You know, it's one of those movies when, when you once you know what's coming you definitely can look at the whole movie in a very different way. So I'm really excited about that. Um, I want to talk about one of my favorite scenes in the movie, and then you guys can sort of talk about it if you have some. And so with the exception of the the ending, you know, with the whole the murder, I think that the most Tarantino scene in the whole movie, well, first, I think that the whole, the the part of it that I really just enjoyed so much was seeing Leo on the set of, what is it, Lancer? Mm-hmm. Yes. At the movie or show. I thought that whole thing is just awesome. And but mostly, you know, the scene with she that little it. girl. She absolutely um who totally steals the show. I mean, like she is acting she's acting against Leo fucking DiCaprio. 
and she's probably like 10 years old in real life. So like for her to not only hold her own, but steal this scene from Leonardo DiCaprio in a Quentin Tarantino movie is insane. So shout out to her. That was awesome. Um, I also think that the uh, the scene, the whole scene where he's reading his lines and acting against Timothy Oliphant um, was fantastic. Mm-hmm. So well done. Um, just really, really enjoyed it. You know? The camera work in that scene, especially when he's like, can we take it from the top? And like the camera like literally reverts. Like we're watching yeah, it through the lens of the director on the show. Um, it's just like super, it's like a big meta element. Um, also like that scene in particular, um, when, especially when he's like explaining the book that he's reading, I forget the like Buck and Billy or something. Um, and he's saying how like he was the best, like Bronco buster in the land. Um, but then he like fell off a horse and hurt his hip and he just hasn't been the same since. And like dealing with that, like feeling of, uh, of like being washed up essentially. And like, to me, it really felt like, and this is just my opinion of it. Um, like it really did feel like Tarantino was talking directly to like the audience at that point of, of how like many people will say like he hasn't made a good film in years. <laughs> um, and like he was this director Those that exploded. Yes. He was this director that exploded onto the scene and like hasn't been able to recapture that. Um, and it was like a, such a great moment, like a, a cathartic moment, like both for Cliff and like if – like going with my opinion, like Tarantino as well. Like this is like, this is my, like this, this movie is what I have to say to you about that. Like, I don't really know where I'm going with that, but I th- I just thought it was a beautiful moment of like looking back at a career, like as accomplished as his, both right. for Leo and Tarantino. And, and it's just like an incredible moment. Like Leo is acting his ass off, like on the verge of tears. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that, it's this whole movie is very reflective. Um, a lot of this movie really screams that you, it's from the perspective of Tarantino. Um, and I think that's very much his writing style. I mean, if you look at his other movies, you know, for instance, in glorious bastards, a lot of people think that he wrote Lieutenant Aldo Rain, like that character with himself in mind. You know what I mean? Like where at the end he says, this is my masterpiece. And I know for a fact, I read this the other day. I think maybe I don't know this for a fact, but I'm pretty sure I read the other day that he wanted to be Pime and kill Bill. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which would have been a fucking that would have been a disaster, bro. That would have been a fucking disaster. But uh I think that it's really reflective, like you said, of his career. It's a very retrospective movie um on fading stars in Hollywood. Um, not to say that Tarantino is, but from what I understand and from what we all understand, this is looking towards to be the end of his career. Not the end, but we're getting there. Um and, you know, reflecting on that legacy and what a hell of a legacy it is, I think that y- you have no choice but to to take a step back and manage that. And it's not an easy thing to do. It's something I think every star probably goes through at some point in their career. And um, I just think that's a really compelling story that he wanted to tell. And I think he did a really good job of it. Um, on a sort of unrelated note, I noticed during the credits – like when he was showing the gang, you know what I mean? When he was like the gang, which is like the classic Tarantino mm. regulars, he it said Tim Roth. Oh yes, yeah. Shot shot for the movie, and it was cut. And I was like, no, I was so upset because I love Tim Roth. He's like probably my favorite Tarantino regular. I loved Michael Madsen showing up. Michael Madsen, like uh, randomly, it's great. 
Um, so there's something to be said for all mm. like the crazy, you know, huge names he got for the movie. But then there's also something to be said for the regular and even at regulars. And even after watching like Death Proof, now I'm like just hyped to see Zoe Bell. You know what I mean? Yes. Like after watching Death Proof and I saw in all my rewatches, like when she's in The Hateful Eight, I'm like, oh, shit, Zoe Bell. Like, that's awesome. Um, so that's just really, really cool to see. That uh, is also that's probably my favorite scene in the movie. Like, and that's what Tarantino does so well talking about like filler and stuff like that. Um, in, in once upon a time in Hollywood, when Brad Pitt is on the roof and then the next time we see him, he's on set and it's like this whole, it's like a 25 minute scene. Like when he fights Bruce Lee, (laughs) who Mike Moe, I could watch a whole movie of him as Bruce Lee. That's fire. He's the inflection, like incredible, but it's this whole like extended sequence that ends in like, it turns out to be a daydream and, and it, it, it was so long. It got to the point where like when it cut back to him on the roof, I almost forgot. And like, that's what Tarantino does. So, like that is not really necessary for the, for like to move the plot forward, but I will gladly watch a 25 minute scene just right. kind of getting into the mind of Cliff Booth. Like, because it's funny, it's entertaining, and like, mm-hmm. in a way, it's introspective. Um, yeah, I'm like that's I mean, just what Tarantino does so well. Yeah, he takes he takes these moments and just amplifies them, and like they become such like an integral part of the story. Like where another filmmaker would either cut it or mess it up. Right. Um, yeah about about the uh, that scene with Bruce Lee, that was probably what that was probably like top two of my favorite scenes in the entire movie like that was just like mike mo absolutely killed it as bruce lee and as you said alex like if he ever plays bruce lee in like a movie i would yeah. watch it 100 percent. yeah i mean for those of you who don't know elon and i are huge martial arts guys so seeing bruce lee huge it, huge uh seeing bruce lee was uh quite the service to us um and there were a couple things i picked out that i noticed um when he says when he's talking about Joe Lewis and to quote the movie, he's like, not like that pussy, like white kickboxer, like the colored boxer. Like a lot of people don't know who Joe Lewis, like not the boxer, like the kickboxer is, but like we, I personally like I've worked with Bill Wallace who built his business with Joe Lewis. So like, that was just cool. So like Marty and I were like, I didn't see it with him, but when I mentioned to him that yesterday, we were just like, Oh, that was sick. You know, that was awesome. It was, it just felt very Bruce Lee. Like, obviously I've never met Bruce Lee. That would be ridiculous because he's dead, but it just felt like I was like this, like you could tell me that was Bruce Lee. That was a video of him or that those were direct quotes from him. And I would totally believe it, you know, just from hearing people talk about him. If you've ever like seen interviews with like Bruce Lee, like, the inflection that Mike Mo used, like yeah. with his voice, like it was, it was as spot on, I think, as you can really get. And with I really thing. appreciate like, that, like even though Bruce Lee, like Mike Mo as his character, is in the movie for a total of like what, like ten minutes, something like that. Yeah, I think that yeah, it's maybe. awesome because yeah. he probably did so much research mm-hmm. and so much like work to make sure that this is so perfect for such a small part of the movie, and that's what I love about Tarantino because every facet of this movie is done to the fullest extent. And it's just done to make sure it's right. And, you know, he takes so long to make his movies. And I'm going to touch on that later, artists who take a long time. Um, But I think that, you know, obviously the expectations are high. He's not going to put out a subpar product. And whether or not the people receive it well 
is totally irrelevant to him at this point, I think. He does not care if people like his movie um, because I think he does. I think deep down he truly loves this movie. It's very apparent through the way he made it that he is in love with the subject matter and that's his passion really comes forward. And that's just what I love about Tarantino. Um, he just, everything he does, he just goes all in on. I mean, like I told you, Alex, I watched a feature, like one of the extra features for the hateful eight where it was talking about 70 millimeter film and how they shot it on 65. And like, that, that's just not something people do. Like in 2015, that's just not something people do. And like, he said, you know what? We're out here. And like, I think they're in like Utah shooting and like he's like you know what to capture these landscapes and these beautiful details work i want to just do it on like as big film as big like the biggest film we can do you mm-hmm. know what i mean like and it just really comes forward and i don't think that the average moviegoer not to not to shit on the average moviegoer but i don't think a lot of average moviegoers really understand how like difficult that is and how much of a difference it really can make. And I know there was a point in my life where I was just like, like I would say when I saw the hateful eight in 70 millimeter on that road show, like I, I think I appreciated it and loved it, but I don't think I really fully understood why. And like what the difference that film really made like towards like the actual final product of the movie. Um, and that's why I was so jealous, like that you got to go in, what did you see in 35, Alex? 35, and which i'm so jealous yeah i can of. talk about that in a minute but um yeah um but just i think that you know and when i guess my closing thoughts is just whenever tarantino gives us a movie you know that it's something he's poured his heart into and he's worked so hard to make it the best that he possibly can and for me to come out of it being positive and loving it is just the best i just love it um alex talk about the 35 millimeter experience at alamo draft house brooklyn yeah so again shout out alamo um everyone who went and also got... also real quick did you notice in death proof at the beginning when he's showing that shot of the street and there's an alamo draft house yes yeah fire shout out um so yeah everyone who went to the 35 millimeter showings um they gave out little uh, film strips um, with like frames from the movie. It's like not actual That's frames, awesome. obviously, but like it looks sick, like it's dope. Um, so this is like a nice little treat. But yeah, like, and I don't know, maybe you guys could tell me if this was in your screenings because I really had no idea what was happening. Um, like the the lights went out, like the trailers played, and then they played like a four to five. It was like four minutes, a four minute clip of like an old like Western TV show. Um, and it was just like a, it was almost like the intro and like, it, it had like all the cast of the show, not the movie. And it was just this very disjointed, I want to say it was called like Shanga. I don't remember the name of it. I wish I did, yeah. but, um, I didn't see that. I don't think it was super weird. And then like the Sony logo popped up and then the movie yeah, started. The so it was like, what is happening? Um, so I guess that was just like a nice little, like to get you into the setting, but the, the the film print was just so beautiful. Um, it, it's just like another one of those things where like it just added you to the like the 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 world of the film. Um, and especially when it like we had a lot of uh, like cigarette burns and like big X's would pop up across the screen. Um, and it really just felt like super vintage and authentic. And this wasn't 
done in a way where it was just kind of like a gimmick, but like, like, you know, Tarantino loved that. Um, and I'm sure like, he was like, oh yeah, we got to put this here. Like the, the, uh, the spawn ranch sequence, like, which is essentially a horror movie, um, which was incredible. Uh, you really think shit's going to go down there. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was like that, that scene especially had like some like, like, definite like clear marks on the print and it's like this had to have been intentional um just like hearing the something about i'm a sucker for for film so hearing like the projector whirring in the back uh if you could see this i know they're only playing it at like five theaters in the nation on 70 millimeter but like i think like 50 are playing it in 35 um if you can i would highly suggest seeing it in 35 or 70 whatever is easier because uh it, it definitely added to the experience. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was beautiful. One little tidbit I know I read online. Um, do you remember the, the, uh, the scene where I think it's like when Shannon Tate gets back from like being out at that bar and they're like, Oh, something's going down at that movie theater over there. And like, it's like an erotic movie theater. Oh yeah. It's like at the premiere. Uh, yeah. It's a premiere. Yeah. Apparently that theater now is a like a regular movie theater owned by Quentin Tarantino? Is it the the New Beverly? That's wild. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, that's wild. That's awesome. awesome. So I just thought that was really cool. And like I said, it's just another thing he throws in there. That's just like so him. Obviously, you know what I mean. Um, Elon, you got any closing thoughts on this before we wrap? Um, not too many. Just I mean, it's a great movie, and for anyone who is coming into it with a certain mindset, just don't. I mean, just go in knowing that it's, for the most part, it's classic Tarantino. And you're if you're a fan of Tarantino at all, and just a fan of great cinema, great cast, you're gonna you're gonna like this movie regardless. Like it's it's a great movie. And uh, if he ever does make that like tenth, not including Death Proof, if he ever makes that tenth movie, I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, hundred um, yeah. percent. Really quick, going off of that. Um, yeah. Like, there is a lot of talk. Like, he's always said he wants to do 10 movies and he's done. Um, and this is obviously his ninth. But he's been hinting, like, in interviews that he doesn't really know what he wants to do for a 10. And, like, if it came down to it, um, like, he, he would consider, like, cutting it early, which is, like, upsetting, obviously. Um, I would yeah. I would want to watch Tarantino movies for the rest of my life. But if if there's any movie that, that a filmmaker could make and kind of be like, this is it. Like, this is my, my like final lap. Like, I'm done after this. Like, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood makes sense to to be his yeah. his victory lap. And like mm-hmm. to go out on this level, like this meditative, just like look back at legacy and and like the time that birthed his filmmaking career. Like, I couldn't think of a more fitting ending to to one of, if not like the greatest filmmaking careers ever um so whatever he does if he does anything next um like yeah just like thank you to tarantino (laughs) i think this is gonna end where we i mean we sort of divulged a lot of spoilers and not necessarily spoils but like the movie but definitely if you were trying to go in blind i'm sorry because you're not should have been listening to a review on it but um alex where and i'm gonna ask you elon next if you can answer but uh, Alex, where does this rank for you in Tarantino films? So, oh, man, 
I, I know that's tough. I know my, it's tough. my Tarantino rankings are pretty much fluid. Um, just with Pulp Fiction, like remaining at the top, but like everything else is, is kind of what I mean. Even then, I've said like I think I like Kill Bill more than Pulp Fiction sometimes. But um, while I don't have a definitive placement, I would I would definitely say like this is in the upper half of him. Like maybe even like number three for me. Um, it's just so good, and it's such a it's such a different movie while being so Tarantino, um, I don't know. Yeah, it very much is. It's my favorite movie that I've seen this year. Um, Mm -hmm. and like, I could see, like, I could see with rewatches, I, I, I would grow to like put this movie in my like top 50, a hundred of all time. Like it is truly unbelievable. So where I have this sitting right now, and like you said, it's completely fluid. I like to relate it a lot to Kanye, you know. It's like, what's your favorite Kanye album? Whichever one I'm listening to right now, yeah. you know. Um, but right now, in my sort of gut reaction rankings, I have it sitting five, which is – or actually six, which is crazy because that's on the back half of his of his filmography. But, like, I have Pulp Fiction, then Inglorious Bastards, then Kill Bill 1 and – then two, um, then Django, and then this. Um, I do think upon rewatch, it will go up. It's just so hard to write movies that are all so great, but for so many different reasons. I mean, like, his movies are all so different in subject matter and, like, the way they're done. And this one is so different from his other ones that it's just, like you said, it's kind of impossible to rank um, where they sit for you. Um, but like you said, it is, I think my, with the exception of Avengers Endgame, it's kind of like, I don't even know where to put that. Um, just cause the impact of it, but it is my number one right now. Um, so there's that, um, Elon, you got a ranking for it. So admittedly, I haven't seen, there are two movies I haven't seen from the nine. Uh, I haven't seen hateful eight and Jackie Brown, but I'm <laughs> fire. Yeah. But I'm probably gonna have to do like a rewatch of all of them and the reason i say that is because i had seen inglorious bastards and Django unchained way before i sort of understood tarantino style and before i could really appreciate like how different his movies are from everything else so upon rewatches like those will definitely i'm sure will stand out in a more positive light for me but I mean, What's About Time in Hollywood will probably sit around, like, mid-tier for Tarantino. Um, I really enjoyed Reservoir Dogs, but there are definitely flaws in that movie that he improved upon later on. Um, Kill Bill is always fire. Django, always fire. Uh, and Glorious Bastards was actually one of the ones that I, surprisingly, though, I was like, hmm, it's weird that there are just all these dude. different angles but again dude. like dude yeah rewatch it please because i just finished i watched all if you guys follow me on letterboxd i've been watching uh all the tarantino movies leading up to this one and i did them all in order except for i saw kill bill double feature a couple weeks ago first which elon was supposed to come to and then flaked i couldn't that's make okay. it i just couldn't that's make fine. it it was fire you should have come but uh i think yeah it's just it's so it's probably the most fun rewatch you can do. I mean, I'd rather sit around and watch nine Tarantino movies than any other franchise than like Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. I don't care. I'd rather watch nine Tarantino movies in a row. 
Um, Alex, and Elon, before we wrap um, on this topic, let's just really quickly talk Oscar predictions. Do you think this movie will be nominated for any Oscars? Um, if so, which ones? For sure. Because um, I'm going to give mine first. I think that this is an original <laughs> screenplay, right? Yeah, I know I just cut you guys off and I asked you. but uh, Yes, this is original. So definitely original screenplay. Uh, cinematography. Uh, I think Brad Pitt's getting a supporting actor nom. I think that they'll they'll both get. Like, yeah, I agree. yeah, I agree. Um, Tarantino will get Best Director. Um, I think this will be nominated for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Um, best Production Design will... For sure. I will say, um, though, that uh, I'm really hoping that it actually comes out this year. Um, what is it? The Irishman? Yeah. yeah. Scorsese's film. If that... I'm hoping it drops in 2019. Because if it does, it will, then... It I think it's October or November. Okay. Because these two movies will definitely be competing for a lot of those awards. Yes. Sure. I what, agree. A, what a battle. Um, and obviously, when it gets closer to Oscar season, we'll definitely get into that. Um, but yeah, that's our take on uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like we said earlier, if you haven't seen it yet, get out there and see it. Um, yeah, go do it. Um, our next topic we're going to talk about, a lot of new music dropped this past weekend, um, and we don't really have enough time to go into all of it. I haven't had enough time to listen to it all yet. But the one we're going to talk about is obviously the new Chance the Rapper album. It is called The Big Day. Um, And before we get into it, I will just say it's tough with artists who take so long in between their projects because, like, obviously expectations keep getting higher and higher and higher. And the hype grows so much that it's, like, it's just very tough for them to, you know, then put something out. And, you know, a lot, especially with, like, Chance – like, he changed a lot as a person since Coloring Book to now. I mean, like, he got married, like, his kids are growing up, and so his life's different. But all that being considered, uh, what are your guys' thoughts on the movie? Or on, oh, fuck me. What are your guys' thoughts on the album? Um, I enjoyed it a lot. I, I love Chance. I really only listened to it, like, two times, I think, so far, just because it is a long album. Um, yes, it's a very long. Album. I definitely went in a little. Like I saw the runtime. I don't like long albums, so I saw that and was like, I don't know about this. So I'm a little nervous, but uh, I'd say for the most part, like there wasn't a song that I was like, this is bad. There's definitely obviously songs that like I'm going to want to skip, um, but like none stuck out to me as like this is a bad song and I never want to hear it again. Um, I feel like Chance is doing a lot of like the stuff that I fell in love with him. A lot of the stuff that I fell in love with him, uh, he's doing it on this album, like again, as well as like incorporating these new elements. Um, it just seems a lot more like full and rich. And I love all the features that he's able to pull. Like, yeah, most of these songs have features on them, um, and like they're all great. They all bring their own thing to the table. The baby can make any song better. Randy Newman. Yeah, Randy Newman's fantastic. He Nicki like tweeted he or something too. like. Yeah, oh, Nikki was good. Nikki was good on this, which is, I don't know, I had mixed thoughts about that. I've kind of canceled Nikki a long time ago, but uh, whatever, I guess. That's fine. If she's getting it done, then that's fine. Um, like you said, yeah, I thought the features were really cool. Um, again, yeah, like you mentioned, the album is long. It's like an hour and like 17 minutes. Am I right about that? Yeah, it's 22 songs. 
I mean, yeah, that it's a long too. album. It's 22. And as Alex said, I am the same boat where I am very much a fan of shorter albums. Um, and I think that that sort of led to one of my only problems with this album is that it just felt not very, not as cohesive as his other works. It actually felt more like a mixtape, which is ironic because this is his first real album. It's album. Album. But, uh, you know, it just didn't feel like it had that sort of, like the way Coloring Book did, where it was just flowed really, really nicely all the way through. I mean, which is, you know, a tough thing to achieve. Um, And I have to think he was working on all this music for like a really long time. So some of these songs are probably a little bit older than other ones. But I just think, I do think that his skill, like his rapping level is definitely still there. Um, his bars are crazy on this album. The production's good. And I like that there's just a lot of different music, you know, you know, there's the gospel stuff that we got before. And then there's like some hard trap hip hop, like hot shower, bro. I'm going to fucking bump that shit all day. People hate that song. People hate that song and they can go fuck themselves. It's fire. <laughs> That's actually something I want to say. It's so weird to me that like, there is a lot of, and I noticed it recently. Um, but it's happened for like the past year, but now it's just super prevalent because he dropped the album. Like a lot of people hate Chance the Rapper. Um, yeah. Like they have this disdain for him of like, and I don't know if it's because like he did like the whole gospel thing, which people didn't like, or like. I'll touch on it. I'll touch on it from my perspective. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is, but like, I don't get how you could hate this dude. Like he's just having fun. He's putting out free music for years. Like he's making great hits, bops. And, like, this album is such, like, a return to form from, like, a rapping perspective. Like, he's barring out on this thing. It's crazy. Um, so it's it's just wild that people are, like, someone was, like, oh, like, are there any skippables? And there's people, like, oh, yeah, the whole album. And it's, like, what are you talking about? Like, you can't find one song on there. Like, I would, I would say if you, if you have, like, some weird beef with Chance the Rapper, give this album a listen. Maybe, maybe it'll clear your head from this bias but uh yeah yeah i i enjoy this album uh or at least a lot of it but yeah 22 tracks and like i'm also not the biggest chance fan so there are definitely a lot of songs on here that are just for me are gonna be i'm just gonna forget about them but uh like standouts for me i wasn't a huge fan of the first half or so of the album but uh, I listened to it in order, so I just went through all of them, and as you should, if you're yeah. shuffling on new albums, you're a fucking animal. Yeah, and I, <laughs> <laughs> so from like let's go on the run to through like handsome and big fish, ball and floss and like I really enjoyed those tracks, and then uh, slide around was good too. Yeah, so there were there were definitely select tracks on here that I really enjoyed, but there are also a lot of tracks on here that I think will end up being pretty forgettable. Um, yeah. I mean, so going back to like what Alex said about people just like hating chance, the rapper, I think that, you know, I I've been a fan of chance, like for a long time, like ever since I was in high school and like acid rap and all that shit. Um, but I think that when he dropped coloring book, like as a Jewish person, I wasn't super into the whole gospel thing. Um, and I just was like, all right, like I could definitely recognize its merit. And now that I've like, you know, had time to sit with it and listen to it, I I love coloring book. I I love coloring book. Like I listened to the whole thing yesterday on the way to my job interview, and like it was that's my awesome. favorite Chance album. Hot take. 
it I actually think it is mine too. Um now that I say that. Um but I think that, you know, people it does come off if you're not invested in it, it it can come off as a little bit corny sometimes if you take it at face value, but if you like stop and like think about this person who's putting this out like he's not doing it to be corny. Like everything he raps about God and like how great is God and how blessed he is is so real. Because if you look at like his life since acid rap until coloring book, and this is what I was getting into with how much he's changed as a person. He like has found God. He had a kid. Like now he's married and like he got a second kid on the way. Exactly. And like he his life has changed so much for him for the better. And he's having such a positive impact in his community. Like I am not surprised that he's as spiritual and thankful to God as as he is. You know what I mean? How can you not how can you like not understand that? Like if everything's turning up well for him and he's doing good in the world, like let him put out his music. If it's not for you, it's not for you, but like let him put it out. He's a happy man and and like I had something about like chance in particular. Um like I, I obviously like when you hear an artist that you love, like you get happy and like it cheers you up, but like like when acid rap came out on streaming services and like I've had like I've had the mixtapes downloaded on my phone since I discovered them. Um, yeah. But like it, it coming back gave me a reason to re-listen. Um, so I, I put it on stream, like I streamed it once and, and like the, I can't even explain like the joy it brought me like listening to acid rap and coloring book back to back. Cause like not only does it remind me of like, I don't want to say back in the day as if it's a hundred years ago, but like eight years ago is a long time, like six, seven years ago. Um, but like you can hear the happiness and like his voice as it progresses and like hearing like 65th and Ingleside is a great example. Like one of the reasons I love that song so much is because when he's like young broke channel ain't broke no more, like you can hear the appreciation in his voice and like hearing him just be so like grateful and appreciative to like the fans and like music in general it makes you just like so happy like like shout out to like the good things like happen in in the world you know what i mean like he's he's an incredible dude and and his music really does like put that forward and uh yeah i love chan like he's a great guy i think he you know he just makes positive like he's making some of the most positive music in hip-hop right now you know, it makes people feel good. I truly do believe that, like, especially Coloring Book definitely changed people's lives. Um, and he just has that power. Like, if you – and this is, like, why he gets a lot of hate. Like, some people are just not ready to hear, like, this positive music. They want to hear, like, the gangster rap. They want to hear, like, the fucked up shit going down in the hood. But, like, sure, he could rap about, like, the the messed up stuff that he's seen in his life and, like, the things going on in his hometown in Chicago and stuff like that. And like, he could do that, but instead he's choosing to bring so much positivity to the table um, that I think it's impossible to deny his like infectious, just like positivity um, real quick. I'm going to put Alex on blast because he's sending memes in our Twitter group. Oh. <laughs> I had to, you, um, you wrote it at first. No, no, no. Oh, was- Someone in our Robbie, shout out Robbie. Um, he sent this link that he's going to be able to, he's like debating going to go see once upon a time in Hollywood and in film. And he is, I was like, go do it. That's all I said. I said, go do it. 
And then Alex just sends an Area 51 meme. <laughs> For those who I'll, – I'll tweet it, but it's a picture of Frieza holding a Vegeta from Dragon Ball Z uh, by like his hair. And it says <laughs> me, me, <laughs> me and Area 51 expecting to clap some alien cheeks but end up getting my cheeks clapped instead. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a good meme. I'll, like, definitely, I'll put it on the uh, – the, the Twitter at WTR pod. Um, <laughs> I, ha- I couldn't resist. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I think that like, it's just, if you like chance, then you're going to like this album. And if you don't like chance and you're a fucking hater, you're not going to like this album. Or, or not. Josh's famous catchphrase. If you don't like this, then I feel sorry for you. No, I do. I that is my catchphrase. I do say it a lot, and it's not to be like I'm an elitist or anything like that. But it's like, yo, I am the type of person who tends to enjoy a lot of things that other people enjoy. So, like, if I can see how, and that's one of the things I really like about hanging out with Alex, not to get sappy, but he gets very excited about things, and that helps me see like how awesome things can be, and how like the good in certain projects, artists, movies. Um, and that's just what I love about, you know, just all media in general. You know what I mean? Like finding something that's somebody else's favorite and being able to enjoy it with them is just so special. And so I think that's really huge with chance, especially like when, when coloring book dropped, like anybody who heard coloring book and was like, this is my favorite, like, like chance became this mainstream guy that everyone could enjoy together. You know what I mean? It was such a unifying piece of music that like. You know, you could argue, oh, I miss when Chance wasn't so mainstream, when Chance, like, you know, I miss when he was underground. It's like, sure, you just wish that you were the only guy who knew about Chance. Like, shut up. He's here for the people. He makes music for the people. And thank God he has the ability to get it out on such a major level now because everyone deserves to hear it and everyone should. Um, so I guess in short, we stand Chance. At least <laughs> yes. me and Alex do. Um and I appreciate him. And I think if you, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I get down with. Him. I don't stand him, but uh, I appreciate what he's done in in the music, in the rap game, and the music game. For sure. Um, real quick, Alex, uh, you said this was your, or you said you said coloring book was your favorite. Put this in a ranking for me in his projects. In his projects, um, is this including Surf? Uh, no. Not really. Okay. And this is, I'm not going to include the Christmas album with Jeremiah, which if you haven't heard it, people, go and listen to it. But, and this this may change just because I need to give it more time. But first impressions, I'll probably go um, uh, Coloring Book, Acid Rat, this, 10 Day. That's where I have it too. And that's not to say I don't like 10 day. Cause I love 10 day. I just got that 10 day crew neck, you know? Yeah. Um, but and like I said, this is just a guy. It's like Tarantino. This is a guy who's making such high levels of music and it's all really different thematically and stylistically, but it's all good for different reasons. Elon, do you have a ranking? I don't know how much you listen to chance. I really don't. Um, okay. but I, I will say that I, Again, like, I wasn't a huge fan of Chance, like, back in the day, and so I never really listened to Acid Rap, but when I saw that it was on iTunes and they released it, I I bumped it, and I was like, damn, like, this is what old Chance sound lo- sounded like, and it was awesome. Like, I, I really enjoyed Acid Rap. Yeah. 
So I would say for me, yeah, and I would have to listen to uh, Coloring Book, like, all the way through. But... Elon, you're slacking on Chance right now. I am. But it's okay. But, like, at least I don't hate him. (laughs) Because I know there are people that do. Um, Alex, just last thing. And Elon. Give this a rating out of 10. The album? Yeah, I don't know, like a seven, seven and a half. <laughs> I haven't, I, I haven't heard it enough to, yeah, properly like give right. it my. Next week I'll try to have. Oh, can I say something really quick? No. Yes, <laughs> I can say. It. Stranger Things, or should I hold it for now? Just hold on for one second. Uh, I'll, okay, I'll just want to say real quick. Um, yeah, I would say without. I would say because it's like twenty two tracks. I would say. If it were just like maybe ten tracks of like the best ones on here, I would probably give it like an eight. Um, but with everything all together, I'd probably give it like a six or six and a half. Damn, bro! What happened to not hating Chance? Well, it's not a. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still I'm I'm with Alex. I'm thinking about a seven right now. But again, I need I do need to re-listen to it. I listened to it like one and a half times. A seven um, is solid. Seven is fucking fire, dude. Yeah. Everyone shits on like people on Letterboxd for giving movies like a three and a half. And like I don't know why it just seems like it's low. But like if you think about a seven out of ten, that's a good that's, that's a, a good passing score. grade, man. That's yeah. a seven out of ten. That's, yeah, C's that's get degrees. Well above average. Don't forget that. C's do get degrees. That's true. Um, but yeah, so that's gonna wrap us up on chance um for now. Again, go out, listen to the album. If you hate chance, let us know on Twitter. Just give him a chance. And we'll clown you. All right, so Elon is now going to get kicked off the pod. Right? <laughs> um, yeah, but let us know on Twitter if you love this album, hate this album, and why. Um, we'd love to discuss it. And that's going to wrap us on Chance. Uh, let's talk some news. Alex, talk about Stranger Things. You just finished it? So, yes, I just finished Stranger Things, and everyone knew my disdain for the show. Um, mind you, this show still has maybe some of the worst things I've ever seen not, I won't say ever, but in recent memory, like a lot of stuff rubbed me the wrong way in this. But the last three to four episodes of the season really pulled it back. I was definitely very invested. Um, it was very funny. Like the the drama became much more serious. I liked what they were doing, um, like with Hopper and Alexi. Uh, it. You texted but, me. You were like. Yo, this Alexi guy fucking sucks. I hate him. Yes, he did suck at first, but <laughs> um, all in all, like that was a that was a great last few episodes. Um, some stuff just like doesn't make any sense to me in terms of like character mo- motivations and choices, um, which falls back on my problem with the Duffer Brothers writing. Uh, and I'm not like I don't want to like be out here bashing them. It's just not really for me. And I'm gonna say it again. I thought the ending was very emotional. Especially with like that voiceover, I won't really spoil, but the voiceover, uh, like reading thing, um, that that got to me a little bit. It's called a letter. Yes, I didn't. Yeah. Um, and like <laughs> once again, that post credit scene was way unnecessary and totally like right. ruined the good vibe I had like ending the season. Because like I just don't care. I'll watch Dude, it. Especially no, because I don't think they're making a season four. They are. I don't think so. If they don't, I will break the lap. WTR will be canceled, <laughs> people. No, dude. I really think that they're they're like they're talking about. It. They don't know if they're gonna make a season four. And if they don't, and they included that post credit scene in there, fuck them. 
they're gonna take it out and be like, "What? What post credit scene?" Yeah, Star Wars style. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. You want? Know, do you watch Stranger Things? I have not seen the third season yet. Um. But okay. yeah, I've seen the first season, and I, yeah, I've been slacking on that, but I've been trying to catch up on other stuff like Euphoria, and yeah, yeah, I gotta watch that. That so. that you've only you watched the. You watched the first episode, right? Elon? I did. I watched it last night, and it's uh, it's really something. Let me just say that. Um, it's just so trippy, and it's just very different from I think a lot of things out there. And yeah, uh, Zendaya, she's doing her thing on it. She killed it. Um, she's killing. And it. I feel like that. Dude, it gets better. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like first of all, if that's what's really going on in high school. Like that shit's wild. Cause <laughs> it's, definitely, it's definitely not like, like I said on a previous podcast, I it's obviously not meant to represent like every high school or even one high school where all this shit's going down. But like I said, it's meant to represent like the all worst. the worst possible yeah. things that could happen. Yeah. Like take the worst people in the world at this age and put them in a high school together and like see what goes down. Yeah. And I think it's um, a, a pretty there's really just like episode. one character mainly who just does the most fuck shit. It's Nate. Yeah, dude, for those of you Nate. who watch Euphoria. <laughs> fuck Nate. We fucking hate him. He's a psycho to the fullest degree. Dude, Jules um, though. Jules one of my favorite characters already. Fucking love Yeah, Jules. she's awesome. And uh it's it's just a really good show. It gets much better. I'm really hyped for tomorrow's episode. What is, uh, Maybe I'll watch the first episode today. Who who's um it, Who's Rue's friend? Like, God, I can't remember his name. Which one? I can't remember his name. Oh, the one uh, that looks Fez? Like, yeah, Fez, the one that looks like Mac Miller. He looks like Mac Miller? Yeah, yeah he looks like Mac dude, Miller. I, I, like him. I like him a lot. <laughs> nah, dude, he's fire. I like Fez dude, a lot. Keep watching. Yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah. I like the style of the show, which I think, I guess they're going with this now. Like, I don't know if this is going to continue throughout the whole series, but it seems like every episode they do, like, at the beginning, like, backstory on one of the characters. Okay. See, I don't know if I like that because that's that's what pulled me out. Just in the beginning, though. Black. Just okay. in the beginning. No, it, it's not crazy. It's not long or anything. It's really well done, okay. and it's just like a quick, like, all right, this is how this person started, and this is how they basically got till now. It's all voiced over by Zendaya, so it's like her telling us the story. It's so yeah. good. Also, I don't know. I if, think Alex, please watch it so we can talk. I about don't know it. if all of the episodes, like, I don't know if all of them are named after like different songs. They are, oh. they are. Except for the pilot, they're all yeah. named after rap songs. Which I thought was so awesome. like last week's episode like, was the next episode. Yeah, fire. Next episode, O three Bonnie yeah. and Clyde shook one part two. Like, that's fire. That's yeah, sick. yeah, it was awesome. I can get um, down with that. Alex, I think you liked Euphoria. I, it's good. Yeah, like shout out to Euphoria. Like, if you haven't seen it yet, at least like watch the first episode. You'll probably figure out like if you'll like it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, you'll know. You'll know after the first yeah. episode whether you want to keep watching this or not. Cool. Um, but I'll, I will say that if you – that's more to say, like, if you can handle the first episode without being like, oh, this is too much for me, like, keep watching. There's a lot. But I think <laughs> – even if you don't like it, keep watching because I do think it gets better. Um, real quick, let's talk about some news, Alex. Um. Elon, if you got anything, let us know. But uh, the one thing I want to talk about that I'm super excited about, and it's such a small piece, but it's like we saw a picture of Timothee Chalamet from that new movie. Mm-hmm. He's going to be with Robert Pattinson. 
and he's sitting there with his bowl cut looking ass. And I'm just like, all right, I'm here for it. <laughs> Timmy. I mean, I'm always Timmy. here for Timmy. He's got a he's got a stack year ahead of him with Gerwig, Dune. Yo, can we get a can we get a trailer for Dune oh, at some point? I think we'll get one in in a few months, probably. I gotta finish reading that book. I'm like halfway through and I just stopped. Is yeah, it twenty twenty when it's supposed to come out? Yeah, twenty twenty. At least part okay. yeah, part one is twenty twenty. Part one. Yeah, they they said they're breaking the first book into two movies. Which... Dude, that cast like, holy shit! I'm talk about it now. Talk about a lineup. Chalamet. What if they go Tarantino style and like everyone's only in the movie for like two minutes? Dude, I'd be upset. I mean, this some people upset. will definitely be in it more than others. Dude, this cat like Obviously. Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Batista, Stellan Skarsgård, Oscar Isaacs, and Dea, Javier Bardem, Josh Brolin, like Josh Brolin, Jason Momoa. Stellan Skarsgård is such a like if when you see the like what that character that he's playing is like talk about on point and it's fucked up because like that's totally an insult to Stellan Skarsgård but uh yeah whatever that's all about that (laughs) I don't want to be like yo you're ugly but (laughs) Alex you got any other news um, this isn't like news news, but, uh, saw when Harry met Sally last week for the first time. Great movie. And my God, if I know that I'm 30 years late, but yeah, I was going to say late. <laughs> if any of you need, need an incredibly funny movie, uh, that's heartfelt, will get you all up in your feelings. Um, and just a great movie about New York. Go watch when Harry met Sally and then we can, uh, we can go to cats and talk about it. Oh, I thought you meant, like, Cats the movie for a second there. Oh, no. I was, no, no, no. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? But, yeah, no, that's fire. Yeah, Alamo catering Cats, that's fire. Yes, everyone who saw it got a sandwich from Cats. That sandwich is worth every fucking penny. Yeah, and, you know, the potato salad that they gave us, too, some of the best potato salad I've ever had in my life. Was it free included with the ticket? It was $30 for the ticket, a half cat sandwich, potato salad, pickles, and coleslaw. That's Which, a fire fucking deal. I'm it's a that. deal, what, yeah. What kind of sandwich did they give you? Uh, pastrami or corned beef. Ooh. I did pastrami. Was it a, a Reuben? No, a no, no. I just did pastrami and mustard. All right. It's a little <laughs> lame, but it's probably still good. Yo. If I'm going to Cats and I'm paying that much for a sandwich, I'm getting the Reuben. It's I mean, so no, good. I do, I do yeah, a pastrami always there with mustard. Elon, when Eat. you come to New York, we're going to do Cats because right, that's it. the go. Elon Reuben with a Reuben. Um. Oh, I get it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I only have one thing that I want to say. Um, yeah. Specifically also for Josh, because we could do this. Um, so in case you don't know, Studio Ghibli Fest going on right now. And it's been going on for the last few months. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Kiki's Delivery Service is playing like tomorrow and Monday at Regal. And Ooh. I might check that out. Which one do you want to go to? Do you want to go to the dubs or the subs? See, that's, I was going to say, I'm not sure. Because the only other Studio Ghibli movie. Because for animated movies, for Studio Ghibli, I like to do the dubs. You like the dub? usually good. They get, they get a crazy cast. Okay. Yeah, they're usually good. Uh, we could do some research. I think I'm probably free tomorrow, so we can figure that out. Sub um, is always the recommended, though. Yeah, because the dub is playing tomorrow. The dub is playing yeah, tomorrow. We'll or, yeah, the dub is playing tomorrow. Twelve yeah. fifty-five. So I'm down. We'll talk about it. But uh, yeah, if you guys haven't seen any Studio Ghibli films, like just check them out. Like there are so many. Top three. Go. 
top three. So I've only seen number one Spirited yeah, Away. Like I haven't number seen one the only one I've seen Got is uh, Howl's Moving Castle, which is great. Okay. But uh, yeah, I'd have to say yeah, like, they're, I'm missing. I'm slacking. Od on that top three that I'm excited to watch: Spirited Away, uh, Princess Mononoke, and Neighbor Totoro. Probably. Princess Mononoke is fantastic. Yeah. If you want a That's movie right. to literally ball, I was in the theater bawling like a baby. Uh, Grave of the Fireflies. I was going to say, people Dude, that say that so ruins yeah. It so ruined bad. me. <laughs> um, and yeah, I would highly recommend it, though. It's absolutely fantastic. Cool. Um, yeah, and I guess that's about it for today's episode. Um, it was a again, long one. It yeah. was a long one. Um, so thank you guys for listening. Um, stick with us. Like I said, more com- more content coming out on the Twitter, hopefully, by the time this episode drops. At Alex. We will get Twitter gear in. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I was waiting for Apple Music, but uh we're getting there. Apple is yeah. dicking us around. If you haven't noticed, we had to change our logo. Um, because apparently I can't have a MacBook in any sort of logo. That's fine, it's whatever. So I changed the logo <clears throat> and uh so hopefully we'll be on Apple podcast within the week. Um and if not, I'm driving to California and fucking shit up. And uh but yeah, um so stay tuned with that. Um, we may have another episode coming this week, so look out for that one. Our next episode, we're hopefully doing a little bit about getting to know me and Alex. Um, we realize that most of you guys don't know who we are, um, so we want to sort of do some fun stuff that you can get to know us and our tastes a little bit better. So look out for that. The deep dive. The deep dive. We're going to – Elon was our first guest today. We're going to have more guests coming on in the future. Um, we got a bunch of people that we want to get on as soon as possible to bring you guys just some awesome content. Um, and yeah, I think that about wraps it. Elon, where can they find you? Uh, you could find me now newly. You can find me on Twitter um, at Elon Rubin, E-L-A-N-R-U-B-I-N. You can also follow me on Letterbox with the same name or E-D-R-417. And you can follow me on Instagram at Elon Rubin as well. And yeah. Awesome. Sick. Alex, where can they find you? Um, they can find me on Twitter at Samurai Paps, on Instagram at AlexPaps1, on Letterboxd at what is it, AG Person, uh, and on Twitter, the podcast Twitter at WTR Pod. Awesome. And uh, yeah, you can find me on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and letterbox at Josh Lemper, J O S H L E M P E R T. Um, hit us all with a follow if you want some quality content. I know Elon is over here cranking out reviews on Letterbox. Um, so check them out. Um, and try. Yeah, aren't we all? And uh, thanks for watching. Um, listening. Fuck. Also, side note uh, one more person. Everyone follow. At Sir Colin Sir on Twitter. That's all you need to know. Yeah, everyone go follow our boy Colin. He's the fucking man. Um, yeah. And if you want some quality content, although his tweets are definitely protected, I don't know why we just shouted him out, but it's because he's bitching at us. It's fine. <laughs> 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 all right. Um, thank you guys for listening. Have a good one. Peace. Peace.